On this episode, we discuss Victor Frankenstein. The Just the guy? Yeah. Yeah, we just were like, what's up with him? Hey. I haven't seen him since college. He's, I mean, I see him on Facebook, and he's like, still working on this corpse, and I like it. You know, I don't really like it, but I give him a like because I feel bad for him. Yeah, it's a pity like. And he always tags the corpse, and he, gets, he makes a Facebook page for the corpse, and you're like, dude, if you spent less time on your social media marketing campaign and mm-hmm. more time on your studies and your research— Maybe you'd have brought that corpse back to life by now. But instead, he's got fucking Instagram feeds for every project. And it's like, come on, stop putting the cart before the corpse. Am I right? Yeah, but he's verified on Instagram now. So yeah, he's no. got that that going for him. True. I mean, what do you have to show for it on Instagram? I don't even have an Instagram account. Movies. <laughs> <laughs> Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. And I'm Stuart Wellington, six foot one, hard bodied. <laughs> and I'm Elliot Kalen, five foot four, soft like silly buddy. <laughs> wow, I didn't know we were doing this, guys. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's called Yes yeah, Ending. Wanna, yeah, you want to do your bit? Yeah, now? start over. You do yours. Yeah, I'm Dan McCoy, mediocre body. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. You're Def- part of the cool guy club. Yeah, default human. <laughs> yeah. Super awesome rad. What are we doing? What is this and what do we do on it? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a podcast, number one. Okay. So First not, principles. It's not a hot dog. No. <laughs> and it's not <laughs> a unicorn. Not inserted a hot dog into your ear. I mean, even though Please don't, it's very me. tempting. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> your hot dog is about <laughs> ear insertion sized and your ear is a hole what? that you can put things in. <laughs> I mean, Wait. your ear does have a hole you can put things in, and that thing is called sound. <laughs> How is a hot dog ear insertion size? Because Dan, a, I want to know what ears. ears you have, and B, what kind of hot dogs you've been they looking could at. Eat those like little I'm mini looking at your ears right now, and I could put a hot dog in there. No, yeah. like a tip with, of a hot dog with work. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, with work. I mean, it's maybe not, if you slather in mustard and mayonnaise, like mm. it's going to take effort. It's not like you just accidentally like just slip it in. No, I could slip it in anywhere. <laughs> I can, I can. You know what? Forget I ever mentioned me. hot dogs. <laughs> okay, so what do we do on this podcast? Uh, this is a podcast where we watch so a bad movie. So it's not movie. a hamburger. No, it's not. A, it's not. A, it's not a hamburger. It's not a hot dog. The movie. It's not hamburger. The movie. Okay. It's a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Is and hamburger the movie about uh, downhill skating or downhill skiing? It's actually a Holocaust picture. Oh, yeah. I'm mm. sorry. Yeah, it takes place in Hamburg. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Especially Hamburger. I was going to ask movie. how it connected, but then you got there first. Yeah. Well, that's why they call me the Get There Firster. <laughs> Elliot, the wow, Get There Firster. Sounds like a really well defined character. <laughs> Fastest get there in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody gets there firster. That's my slogan. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 that's, that's how you got rid of the Pony Express with your slogan. Nobody gets there firster. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm an immortal who's walked the earth for centuries. Mm-hmm. Thanks for blowing my cover, Dan. Anyway, up your spot. so on this podcast, we talk about bad movies. And, and guys, and it's Shocktober. What, 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 the scariest time of the year? The, yeah. The, well, the, we didn't have scary intro music that I got to hear. 
but maybe the people. Oh, this is, I'm doing a shitty job here. But <laughs> <laughs> you didn't play scary intro music like, for us, Dan. You don't so. need to, to get us in the mood yeah. in real time. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the <laughs> only re- later, the only that. reason we would need it is because <laughs> technically we're recording this at the tail end of Small Vember mm-hmm. for release in October. Yeah. There's a little uh, peek behind the curtain, a little podcast magic. Yeah, you know, I guess uh, this is a good way to kind of ease ourselves into the the season, probably the scariest season of the year. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, the scariest season of the year to me is tax season. <laughs> oh, oh wow. brother. This guy has now got let a real skewed take on modern life. <laughs> I take the ordinary, everyday kind of like irritations of modern life, and I apply my unique viewpoint. Yeah. It's in a series of books called... Everything I need to know, I learned right now from you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the books are blank. They cost $25. <laughs> Fill them out. Send them to me. I got to start learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a great scam. So what do we do with Shocktober? Uh, Shocktober is the part of the year that we watch scary movies or movies that are macabre in some way. Yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't. Yes. Time macabre, the great baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily. Say that the movie we watched tonight was particularly scary. No, but it was gross. It was in, it at was in times. the Halloween tradition. It yeah. had one of the classic monsters. One in of the it. classic Halloween stories. Now, what story is it? Well, the movie's called Victor Frankenstein. So guess. So guess. You're right. The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Good work, Einstein. <laughs> yeah, Imhotep's back. <laughs> Famous literary detective Einstein. <laughs> if you've got a story and you don't know what it is, there's only one man you can call on, and he works at the patent office in Bern. <laughs> Oh, he's not good at math, but he's a genius. At story. Yeah. <laughs> he so, was actually, I mean, he was better than the average person at math. Okay. Math was I'm not just, his strongest suit as a theoretical physicist, mm-hmm. but he would get help from other people to do the math work with him, but he was better at math than, like, we are. Sure. Yeah, if he had, like, a Marvel card on the what? back, if it had, like, power ratings, <laughs> he would still be superhuman at math, but he wouldn't be, like, as good as he is at Physics? I mean, with math, he would be like, let's say it's a one to ten scale, with one being normal math. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. No, math. One would be subnormal math. The uh-huh. same way, there's that one checklist. So that's like what the rhino would be at in math. Yes, exactly. There's this the one rhino? checklist card. Yeah, yeah Spider-Man, Spider-Man villain. villain. Okay, the rhino. Except for that one tangled He's web not- storyline. Not- notably, story. not good at math. I don't know. He's just kind I'm of just a big tr- dumb dude. Okay, yeah. he's a fucking rhino. <laughs> What's he going to be good at? Two things: smashing into stuff and math. That's right. You anyway, only go to one thing at once. Thank you. I don't like this modern day. This ties into the movie modern day thing where everyone's good at everything. Mm-hmm. Look, we all, yeah, we all get a trophy. But anyway, so <laughs> Einstein would get like a four in math, mm-hmm. but he'd have a ten in like conceptual imagination. Okay. Oh wow, that's an interesting Look, I was stat. Just, you know. Him and Doc Ock share a stat. <laughs> I mean, thanks for the thanks for the the teaching moment, Einstein. But I was just using. They the, got me. I was just using the popular conception of Einstein for comedic purposes. Yeah, but it's not true, and I don't like it. All right. Comedy should be based on truth, unless it's really funny when it's made up. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Del Close Einstein. Uh, <laughs> Delbert Einstein. The mix of Del Close and Albert Einstein. Truth He's just comedy. It's just Albert Einstein with a heroin addiction. Anyway, here's the thing. We watched this movie, Victor Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. It's a retelling of the classic Frankenstein tale, uh... Uh, Hollywood would probably refer to it as a legend, but I would refer to it as a novel written by Mary Shelley yep, at a very yeah. specific More point. More accurate. Time. Right, the same way that there were the ads for Heart of the Sea where they referred to the true story behind the legend of Moby Dick. And I was like, bullshit, dude. That was a novel Herman Melville wrote. <laughs> you call that a legend? Come on. Yeah, yeah it wasn't like whalers were like, 
Moby Dick roams these seas. <laughs> you could, it doesn't go back thousands on of years. Stormy <laughs> legend tells that on stormy nights you can see his blowhole blowing through the air. You can still see that dick's hole. They mm-hmm. say if you look hard enough, mm-hmm. look hard enough for the dick hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spraying. Mm-hmm. Speaking of dick hole, young Pete. <laughs> um, what? I don't like where this is going. Here, They're at sea for a long time, I'm just saying. Yeah, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> so do you this, think, this is a re- do you think Her- uh, Herbert Melville, Herman Herbert, Herbert Melville, Herbert yeah. Melville. Yeah, yeah. Frank Herbert Melville, well, author of Moby Dune. <laughs> uh, but... Do you think Herman Melville like heard all these Somebody stories be making of a Moby Dune the, cover the right legends now. of Moby Dick, and then but he was like moved to write the story down in novel form because Moby Dick would come to him at night in his attic and force him to tell the story, <laughs> or he'd right. chop his head off. Yeah, like that was Robert probably Howard it. and Conan. That was probably it. Yeah, yeah, probably it. <laughs> That's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> Okay, uh, cool. So, so write anyway, that down. Crack that one. So I, this. I is, hope that's in the movie that we didn't watch, and we're. I guess. I mean, hard to, to see. It. I think is framed by the narrative of someone telling Herman Melville the story, but I haven't seen it. Uh, but Victor Frankenstein is what we watched. It's the latest in a long line of Frankenstein reboots. Mm-hmm. At this point, why even call it a reboot? It's just a new adaptation. It's a new spin on the classic legend. Nobody knows who wrote it of <laughs> Doctor Frankenstein <laughs> and his creation, the monster. And we went into this assuming it was part of Universal's attempt to build a cinematic universe, like uh, the, the with Marvel. Dracula Untold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it turns out it was not. This is a 20th century Fox film. Mm-hmm. Although think, it does feature Charles Dance in a small. A uh, small role, and just like he was in Dracula Untold. And they're a set very in, small role. In he Dra- shows up for one scene. I even made a joke that he was never going to. He just shows up to be a dick and leaves, and that's totally that's all ex- that happens. Exactly what I, I mean, there may have been other material. He with dances him in and he dances out. That's yep. almost exactly a quote from Tango and Cash. Really, <laughs> he tangos in <laughs> and he tangos on out with our money <laughs> and our drugs. <laughs> But uh, see, a key part of that Jack Balance impression is Elliot's <laughs> wide eyes roaming the room. Yeah, uh, there's not enough heavy breathing in that Jack Balance impression. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <sighs> the tango and cash, cash and, and tango. Tango. <laughs> tango makes three. Where did you get it's those? It's about a gay penguin. <laughs> Where did you get those mice that you're playing with, Elliot? In this maze table I keep next to my miniature wall of mirrors that I use for shootouts. It's a somewhat whimsical mm, office. You're becoming a crib keeper, Jack. James Hong, why are you each edging away from me? <laughs> uh, so, well, we talk about every movie but Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. So 20th Century Fox maybe was trying to steal Universal's thunder. Uh-huh. Charles Dance is in Dracula Untold as the character who's eventually assumed going to be the big bad that all the monsters have to face. Uh-huh. But I don't even know if they're still making those. Yeah. But this is – it's a new spin told from Igor's point of view. Victor uh, Frankenstein. What? Like a fucking Nick Carraway. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Carraway, yeah. I mean Victor Frankenstein is to Gatsby as Nick, yeah, Igor yeah. is to Nick Carraway in this. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty clear, I guess. Uh and there's a Daisy character, the Tom Miller character. Yep. They're all there. See? It holds up. Now mm-hmm. we begin, I don't know, because I was a little I was running late and you guys started the movie without me. So as it begins. Uh, you, you missed can, almost nothing. Okay, Elliot, why don't you guess how the movie begins? My guess would be You get that one get, guess, and if you're right, Dan will give you one hundred dollars. Wow, <laughs> I'll take those odds. And what happens if I guess wrong? 
Dan will give you fifty dollars. Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> and a lap dance. So that's worth fifty bucks right there. I'm breaking even. Mm-hmm. My guess, seeing as this is a, a retelling of uh, of a monster story, and this is the year 2016, and nobody's learned their fucking lesson, is my guess is that it opens with some kind of like cryptic scene from future in the movie with a voiceover talking about how like some stories people think they know. But you don't really know the real story behind the story. You are 100% correct. <laughs> they literally oh. show shots of the, like, the, the monster hanging up oh. it during the storm. Super imp- at wall, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Igor in this movie, mm-hmm. tells you, like, oh, you know him as this dude, but he was actually my friend. Do you think you know the story, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, I hate that stuff so much. All right, well, and it, uh, yeah. one, <laughs> count it out. Two, give it to me in pennies. Three. We'll do this after the. Show. Yeah, maybe later. But I appreciate you paying up on the bet. Uh, because here, like, if and it, again, I only don't like it because I've seen it so many times before. If this, ha- if it had never been done before, then. If I guessed that and you told me it was if right, seen a, if you had seen a totally original concept on film, you <laughs> yeah, would have liked it. Exactly. That's super weird. It's strange, right? If you experience a brand new sensation, you'd be up for that. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. what I'm saying is there's nothing inherently wrong with opening a story that way, except that it's been done thousands of times before. The same way that Hallelujah, a perfectly mediocre song, mm-hmm. is only hateful because it's been used a hundred million ways. Yeah, now, but what if it's sung by Katie Seagal while the characters of Sons of Anarchy are getting into some kind of motorcycle hijinks? I mean, I like Katie Seagal, and she started as a singer. She's got the chops. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll always be always be Peg Bundy to me, though. <laughs> okay. Oh wow, that's a firm stance you're taking over there. <laughs> no matter Dan, what you want to say, something about Leela? Yeah. Well, I was going to say that I would appreciate it more if Leela sang Hallelujah in mm-hmm. some mournful episode of Futurama. <laughs> As it shows the other Zoidberg being murdered and exactly. the Jamaican accountant, whatever his name was, being Hermes. killed. Hermes. <laughs> and yeah, all, Hermes Conrad, that's right. And I'll always remember Katie Seagal as the, I'm assuming she's a witch on Bastard Executioner. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know. I think that show ends it. <laughs> uh, gonna be like, I'll always remember Katie Seagal as the older woman who took my virginity. <laughs> And I'll threw it out the window <laughs> to be devoured by crabs. <laughs> it was at a beachside resort. <laughs> I see. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the movie. So Daniel Radcliffe plays Igor, who starts out as a tortured hunchback without even a name to his name mm-hmm. in a circus. And yep. he, I assume he was sold to the circus as a child, as deformed. He's mistreated. They're, they've made him up like a clown. Everyone mm-hmm. makes fun of him. He's got a crush on an acrobat lady who's nice to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's and, played by the... Arguably the hot. <laughs> why would you enter? This is something you said during the movie. I don't know why you'd commit Sister it to recording from Down Abbey. You why have now you? opened up an unnecessary debate: one about the hotness of the sisters <laughs> on Down Abbey, and two on whether we as men are judging these characters only on their hotness. Yeah. yeah well, now, did you I'm say just, arguably because you're covering your own ass? <laughs> <laughs> Lady Mary has her charms. Uh, I, I, Look, I don't, I don't even want to open this. I, I, Look. Yeah. Let's not, I, I don't let's even not watch do Downton Abbey. Yeah. Is that Maggie Smith? Because she's amazing. All I know yeah. is that Maggie Smith is Downton Crabby on that show. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that I know about Downton Grabby? Down, she's very grabby. <laughs> uh, he and uh, one day the acrobat. She and he also, not only does he have a crush on this acrobat woman, 
but he's also a tender soul who spends his time doing super amazing drawings of human anatomy. Oh, yeah, And yeah. studying medical texts that he, I guess, scavenges Oh, so from he was studying files. medical texts. Yeah. Oh, I missed that part, too. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought he was just, like, naturally gifted at knowing bodies. I mean, he is, too. It's both these things. And once they took him to the bodies exhibit. He's got gifted hands. And he saw all those like, uh, Chinese corpses with their skin like taken off. Face. He has all those incredible cross-sections. <laughs> That's what it is. He what? I said he has gifted hands, like, uh, you know, what's his face? The guy wrote gifted hands. The uh, the guy who was... Uh, ben uh, Carson? Yeah, Ben Carson. Okay. I mean, you work for The Daily Show. <laughs> yeah. You should remember these names. I haven't worked there in like a year. Mm-hmm. I do. I get one of those uh, Eternal Sunshine brain wipes at the end Every of the day. Week. <laughs> Just to try and keep things clean in there. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so, so we have one Magical day, Hunchback. One Magical Hunchback, and one day uh, there's a trouble at the circus. The acrobat falls. She seems to be dead. <laughs> Luckily, there's a doctor in the he said, there's a, Is there a doctor in the house? Uh, classic Bugs Bunny gift. Mm-hmm. Is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? Silhouette walks up, gets on the I'm a doctor. And what's up, Doc? Mm-hmm. Then on to the next gag. <laughs> uh, it turns out Doc. stuff, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> James McAvoy, Dr. Victor Frankenstein, is in the audience. And together he with. Though he appears to be somewhat eccentric. He seems like he knows his stuff. He, he has his chops. He's a little goofy and looks. Isn't like he has this ability where if he stares at a organic body in motion he'll see like its bone structure like sketched out over mm-hmm. its silhouette it is He's not a real sur- sherlock doc it's yeah sure doc which mm-hmm. is appropriate since this, is a, this show was directed by a guy who's directed a bunch of episodes of sherlock yes right? and they really like they, they lay sherlock on and they sherlock the these characters and let me just say one thing i'm gonna be a little i'm gonna reveal a little bit okay the first third of this movie i really enjoyed a lot uh-huh and we'll get into it. It's super gross. I mean, at you times. were totally eating a bunch of chicken at that point, so maybe you're just predisposed to liking it. You have I mean, like I'm, umami splattered yeah, your all over your face. I mean, the fact that I was e- eating the most delicious food that existed. I mean, usually though, that just serves to heighten how shitty what I'm seeing is because I eat oh, okay. the same thing every movie. So I think we can just eliminate that as a yeah, as an element oh, yeah, yeah. because it's the same condition every single time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After that's a while, even ambro- yeah. After a while, even ambrosia loses its flavor. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is that because that can that environmental factor is the same for every single mm-hmm. film, we cannot take it to be an influence on my feelings about this film. For else, we'd have to take it as an influence on my feelings for films like Food Fight, which again I was eating Popeyes while watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yet it was a horrifying experience. Only the solace of Popeyes in my mouth was what got me through it. Uh, I thought it was because we had you chained to the chair you were sitting in. I mean, and you had my eyes pulled open, mm-hmm. like uh-huh. Clockwork Orange style, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that therapy called? Uh, the What, the Ludovico, Ludovico treatment? Yeah, the yep. Ludovico treatment. That's what you're doing. The Ludovico treatment. <laughs> oh! hey Okay, so let's get back to this fucking Yeah, because we're like, what, ten minutes into the movie? Yep. So uh, they're able to save the acrobat's life by doing one of those movie medical things where James McAvoy looks at... At her, sees the bone structure drawn as if it's in a medical textbook, and says, like, hit her right there. And they, like, slam their fists into her chest. Yeah, but uh, actually, Igor, like, like, McAvoy, like, knows what's going on, but Igor is the one who's like, we got to, like, punch her, like, medical style. Yep, he's like, I have a secret crush on her, so I want to be the one punching her chest. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, McAvoy is really impressed, and he's like, Igor, 
Except he doesn't have a name. He goes, you and me, buddy. Unnamed hunchback, we got to get you out of here. The hunchback is locked up by his evil circus captors. Mm-hmm. James McAvoy uses science to help him escape and then uses punching and kicking to fight their way through the circus of crime. And it was at this point, it was like a choose-your-own-adventure. If I wanted to be pissed off that, just like in every other movie, this character who's already a mad scientist who wants to bring back the dead is also some kind of fighting genius. Yeah, he's great at kick punching. And be mad about that because it's not necessary in whatever happened to movies where people had a strength mm-hmm. that was balanced by a weakness. And term. whatever happened to Baby Jane? She got crazy. Oh, okay. It's all actually explained very well in the movie. <laughs> all right. Turn to page 20. But if I want to just buy into the zaniness of it all and say, hey, you know what? Instead of applying good movie terms to this, yeah. I'm going to apply crazy movie terms to this. And this is two guys, one of them a hunchback dressed like a clown, uh-huh. fighting their way through an evil circus. Yeah, a hunchback Robert Smith from The Cure. Yeah, fight, like turn, turn to page 45, and I turned to page 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I chose that adventure of saying, you know what, movie? I'm going to buy into it, which is why it was yeah, yeah, yeah. that much more of a disappointment when the movie fell apart later. But anyway, they fight their way through the circus, they get out, everything's okay, right? It looks to be that way at first because James McAvoy has a cool bachelor pad full of crazy steampunk invention, inventions. Mm-hmm. And he shows. We get uh, to see this really awesome scene where he, we realize that Igor, who is named Igor at this point, we get a name. Because he's gonna, he says, my landlord is named Igor. He's not around. If anyone asks, you're Igor. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. of course, they pause so the audience can be like, whoa, oh. this is a huge moment we're mm-hmm. witnessing in history. That's how it happened. <laughs> yep. I would have just assumed that, like... I thought this was a different hunchback yeah. in a Frankenstein movie. <laughs> I figured that maybe, like, just someone would give him that name. Like, I don't know, his parents or somebody. I thought maybe he could have just been named Igor from yeah. the beginning of the movie, and that maybe we didn't need an origin for a name that is... Not a cra- it's not like he got the name Flash Lightningberg or like or like Google Eyes Bubby, like the, a crazy name Flash we would need origin for. The Jewish uh, speed uh, <laughs> superhero. Jeez, he's, he's a yeah, he's Jewish and he has the power to uh, get be guilted by his parents in the blink of an eye. Oh, I always assumed that Igor was an acronym based on some kind of physical attribute of his. Yeah, oh, I so. got yep uh, orange ostrich ostrich uh-huh. ostrich. Ribs. R- ribs. Okay, <laughs> yep. Uh, I got ostrich. That That's was, what I always assumed was the case. That it was like intelligent guardian for <laughs> operational research, something like that. Yeah. Like it's an acronym, like Wildcats. Yeah. You yeah. know, or Mask. Wait, what was Wildcats? Covert Action for? Team Squad. Oh, that makes sense. I think it was just Covert Action Teams. Mm-hmm. Wild was not an acronym. <laughs> just cats. It was a descriptor, yeah. <laughs> do I want the sane cat or the wild cat? Well, do- the wild cat's $50 cheaper, so might as well take that. Yeah, yeah. It'll go better up against Wetworks. <laughs> but, uh, also an acronym. I don't think that it was. I know it wasn't. Um, so-, so there were, and he, and James McAvoy cures Igor of his hunch. He says, you're not really a hunchback. You have an enormous abscess full of pus. And he stabs him in the back with mm-hmm. a tube and then that and then starts pumping it out. But then to really prime it, he sticks his mouth on the on the other end of the tube and siphons it out and has to spit out all this abscess pus. Yeah. And it was at this point that I was like, I made the right decision by deciding to like this movie because this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And it's not what I expected at all. And here's the main strength of this movie, which does not – unfortunately, the movie doesn't continue with after a certain point. But it like really gets across – 
how disgusting the human body is and how gross it would be to be working with dead body parts and trying to put them together and zap them with electricity. Like yeah. mm-hmm. all the other Frankenstein movies that I've seen, I've never seen like Flesh for Frankenstein, which I guess is more of a sex movie. Mm-hmm. But like the all the other ones are pretty sanitary and clean considering the main characters are literally ripping organs apart and stuffing them together and sewing things and like yeah our heroes are grave robbers yeah and to really get across like how viscerally gross that is like i was saying through and how like rudimentary the science is yes that if stuart gordon had been making this movie it would have been a really fun movie it would have been disgusting grosser like it would be really disgusting so he sucks all the pus out and he fixes igor's back with a back brace and then he shows him i had this experiment I have a pair of human eyes I've kept preserved in this briny liquid. And using electricity, I can make it For fun. I can make it so that they open and wink, and if I put fire up to them, they close because of the brightness. I've these eyes I've kept alive, and we're gonna do that these with an eyes. animal. These eyes are briny. These <laughs> eyes have seen a lot of brine, but they'll never see a pickle like you. So I don't know about you guys. I've interviewed a lot of roommates. Okay. <laughs> and I usually And you're usually like, do you have eyes preserved in brine? Because yeah. if so Then we'll have two of them in this apartment because here's mine. Private eyes are watching you from a briny place. <laughs> I thought Briny eyes are watching you. Oh, that's even better. Damn. Damn. Your Hollow Notes parody abilities are way better than mine. Briny eyes. Whoa, here they come. She's a brine eyer. Oh, boy. Anyway, you're saying you've interviewed the eyes. You're a stitch girl. Briny Davis eyes. Damn it. Nobody knows what it's like <laughs> to be briny, <laughs> to be what? slimy <laughs> behind brine eyes. <laughs> My brine eyes, girl. Sha la 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 briny eyes. It's the eye of the briner. It's the eyes in the brine, and they're sitting in a vat of gross brine. Do you guys already turn around brine eyes? No. <laughs> Why are you not taking part in this, Stuart? Why don't pretend you're above this when clearly you're jonesing to be a part of it. You're the cool kid standing off by himself, seeing the nerdy kids dancing, looking dumb, and you're like, I wish I could have fun like them, but I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't admit that. Um, <laughs> so you've so been interviewed you roommates. About interviewing roommates? Uh, wait, what are we talking I'll about? I'll pretend that what Dan just said was English. What were you saying about interviewing roommates? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I normally show them my brine eyes. Now, meanwhile, oh, yeah. we uh, we cut to a police detective who's investigating. Uh, Played by the, Sherlock's Moriarty. Don't remember his name. Yeah, uh, which is one of the many people from TV Sherlock who make a appearance in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, who's investigating the murdered uh, uh, Carney. Who yeah. was killed oh, there was a, while there, they were escaping? Carney yeah. Wilson was murdered. It was very <laughs> it's sad. Terrible. There was a one of the Carneys was killed by another Carney, but uh-huh. the carnival owner says that this evil hunchback and this madman who helped him escape did it. Uh, the the cop sees through this pretty quickly, but he still wants to arrest them because he knows that someone has been stealing animal parts and is using them for nefarious 
ungodly purposes. Yeah, he's a real god walloper, this guy. He's, he's really like, religious. He's like, Austin 316, this and that. <laughs> Austin He's like, know your role, Frankenstein. <laughs> and uh, he also has, his the walls of his office are covered in written, like, grease pencil on glass notes, because it's like steampunk minority mind. report. Or Beautiful Mind, or Sherlock. Mm-hmm. It's, we've, it's all stuff we've seen before. But... And, and and the guy who plays Moriarty, who is playing not Moriarty in this movie, is basically reprising his role. It's the same Andrew Scott. Yeah, it's the same performance of like just call him Moriarty. More, I will call him Moriarty. Like uh, oh, yeah, like monotone Spectre. delivery. And the thing is, is that as much as you know, it, it it's funny that he's basically reprising his role. He and the our two leads actually fucking go for it like they are not they're not playing around no, they're all movie. acting up a storm they're man. really like uh, daniel radcliffe after they fix his back and drain the abscess it seems like he's like well i still kind of want to play a hunchback so i'm gonna walk super weird <laughs> yeah. the rest of the movie and daniel radcliffe he kind of loses his weirdness the movie loses its weirdness as it goes along which is disappointing but james mcavoy is always chewing screenery it's the screenery is always chewing <laughs> the screenery that's what it's like the screenery yeah. <laughs> and moriarty's always chewing the scenery and like in a movie like this that's great like i'm already watching a movie about a 19th century scientist who's trying to bring back dead bodies like chew it up go mm-hmm. for it like you're be in the tradition of like uh like Colin Clive and Basil Rathbone and like all the guys who are not afraid to choose scenery, you know? Yeah. And Frankenstein was written as like, uh, Mary Shelley is associated with like the romantic poets. Like you can be a little bit over the top here, guys. Yeah, it's very, it's very (laughs) much a, yeah, like it's a romantic, not yet. It's very romantic. We all know how we're using romantic, not to mean love, but to mean like German romanticism, you know, high romanticism. It's a little romantic between Igor and and Victor Frankenstein. Uh, they, yeah, it is. There's a real, there's some real homoerotic tension there. It's also it's, called friendship. Yeah. Well, it's more of a bromance. They're a little close. I guess. I mean, they touch yeah. a lot. I feel like there, there's a there's an undercurrent. There's a there's a of sizzling, sizzling undercurrent of electricity. I guess so, but that's fine. I mean that's in the that's in the source material. Yeah. Not really, actually, it's not. But. Well, Igor doesn't exist in the source material. Yeah, but I would if by a source material, I would say the original Frankenstein movies. I guess sure. there is not a sexual element there, but there is an element of a relationship in which there's a dominant and a passive member. You know, mm-hmm. and the that reminds me. And of, like old Pinhead says, sometimes the lines of pleasure and pain <laughs> get blurred. I for a long time ago, I wanted to write a Frankenstein story where a bunch of people get their car breaks down or whatever, and they have to go stay at the Frankenstein castle. Mm-hmm. And things go. And Frankenstein wants them to watch his big experiment. That happens to be the night when he's going to bring the dead back to life. And it doesn't work, and he goes crazy and goes on a rampage and tries to kill them because they've seen him fail. And in the end, Igor has to like calm him down and says to them, like, just go. This happens all the time. Like, this is, and they're like, why do you stay? And he's like, I love him. That's why I stay. And like, that's the Frankenstein story I always wanted to do, where like Frankenstein's just a failure. And Igor is the one who is really the dominant one in the relationship and allows Frankenstein's delusion to continue that he is a scientist. But I don't have the time to write that shit. So I guess I just did yeah. deal with it. Somebody else write it up. Yeah, trademark Slap my that name shit. on it. Say story by <laughs> Elliot Kalen. Anyway, the, mm-hmm. uh, 
by the, let, we're, we're traditional we, fee of seven hundred thousand dollars, please. Uh, That's great. See, I've been working on a screenplay idea myself. Where uh, it's just I got a nugget. Okay, got a let's nugget. hear it. The idea is that uh, you know you, it's uh, a training scene where you're uh, you're like hero is being trained by his old mentor. <laughs> okay, for I don't know to kill vampires or survive the apocalypse. One of those things. And, uh, you know, they don't have access to proper training facilities, so they're like, we got to go train outside in the park. But they don't want people to see them training uh, out in the park to kill zombies <laughs> or some shit, so they have to dress up to look like those crazy guys who perform martial arts in the park. <laughs> <laughs> so people see them and they're like, uh, like you know, when you see those guys and oh, you like yeah, glance at them and you're like, do not make eye contact. <laughs> there was a guy in Prospect Park. He's got park. a boombox and he <laughs> is practicing his kata with this, uh, I don't know, war fan or were, something. Were you there the day that, that we saw that guy in Prospect Park? Where the guy park? had a shopping cart full of weapons, including a war fan and yeah. a bunch of sides. Throwing knives into the ground. <laughs> it was awesome. Like 10 feet away from a baby picnic party. <laughs> yeah. It was so weird. And yet, now imagine a story where he's the hero and he's actually a normal guy. He just dresses <laughs> and acts like a weirdo because he's like, this is the only way I can train. <laughs> if I looked normal, people would think the jig is up. Yeah, I look yeah. like a crazy person. Yeah. Maybe. So I think work. I got something there. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Maybe. Yeah, got a couple of good movie ideas. Yeah, it's like a Remo Williams type movie. <laughs> yeah, the adventure begins, mm-hmm. has to mm-hmm. continue. Now, by this point, Frankenstein and Igor, they're working together as a team. They're partners. They're both uh, providing valuable insights and necessary knowledge. They have gotten to the point where they can bring to shuddering life for a few moments or like an hour a horrible, desiccated, half-fleshed chimpanzee corpse with other species Mm -hmm. sewn to it. And uh, This is a real creep show of a chimpanzee. Just imagine like – you know, when they say the, the joke of, uh, like, I shouldn't be. I should not be alive. Well, this is that thing. Yeah, yeah that's a hilarious the, joke. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> well, it's a living. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, he, like, when they first showed it, I did not realize that was a chimpanzee. That's no. how mangled no, it No, I just thought it was like a pile of hamburger meat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with teeth. <laughs> with electrodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, But they managed mm-hmm. to make it kind of come to life. So they say, it's time. We're going to go to the medical college where the stodgy old fuddy-duddies won't let me do my real research, and we're going to do a demonstration. Uh-huh. And this is another touch that I liked is that it's not in, like, a huge lecture hall attended by the professors. It's like they rented one of the rooms, and there's seven uh, there's seven people in the audience, and it yeah. felt very much like – Victor. Well, they they had someone in Times Square handing out things. Saying, you, do you like science? <laughs> yeah, do you yeah. like science? You like you like uh, tampering in God's domain? You like it? <laughs> yeah, hey, do tonight. You know, we got comedians who have appeared on Comedy Central, tampering in God's domain <laughs> here. It uh, it's a small room, and even so, with that tiny audience, it looks empty. Yeah, kind of like one of our early Flophouse live shows. Uh, oh, mm, not really. We've always been pretty successful <laughs> with those, but it did remind me of like. My early days doing sketch comedy when I was performing in a strip club for audiences of up to mm-hmm. two to three people at midnight. <laughs> or when uh, I was in an improv group that performed in a place that was a yoga studio by day, and we regularly had more performers on stage than we had people in the audience. Classic. Classic, Classic experience. Stuff. So uh-huh. it was. So that was kind of a nice touch. And But there's one student there who's, you can tell he's super rich and super obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, he's like a Draco Malfoy. Who's like, hurry up, hurry up, I have a coach waiting, mm-hmm. and it, it looks like he's it's like, not working. First he's just one, there to laugh at Victor Frankenstein. He's like, oh, yeah. oh, Victor, you do amuse with your science. <laughs> with your failures and incompetence. <laughs> and Igor, who at this point, we've skipped over the romantic subplot, 
James Mac uh, Frankenstein is he because of his wealthy father who doesn't approve of him. He's a member played by of Charles it, Dance. Played by Charles Dance in one scene. Mm-hmm. He's a he's who, a member. I think his contract was like. I'll only do the movie if I get to show up and slap James McAvoy. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he did. Yeah. <laughs> he, they are members. It's of not the, in the script, Charles, but uh, I guess you can. The director goes, "I'll allow it." You were supposed to. Your character is supposed to show up and give your son a hug, but I guess we can rewrite it. <laughs> what is a slap but a sharp hug to the cheek? <laughs> I suppose Charles Dance. Yeah, why not? <laughs> You know, originally, uh, Tywin Lannister was supposed to be a really nice guy, and Charles Dance met George R. R. Martin, he said, I might play this character someday, make him a real shit. <laughs> what is a slap with a sharp hug? <laughs> it's like something an abusive father would say. Yeah, to I'm child. hugging you real hard to the face. <laughs> um, they're members of an exclusive social club where James McAvoy is not taken seriously, but the acrobat who has healed from injuries and mm-hmm. is now... Now the proto- like she's been taken under the wing of a gay aristocrat who uses her as a beard. She meets <clears throat> Igor, and that it's love at first, whatever you know. And they've yeah. slowly become more and more lovey-dovey. And he invites her to this exposition. Yeah, he's like, you want you want to see a chimpanzee corpse? <laughs> you yeah. want to see a gross half zombie monkey shudder around on a table? <laughs> he knows we're zapping it with electrodes. He knows what the ladies like. Mm-hmm. LL Cool Z. Ladies love cool zombie chips. Now, if this movie really wanted to lean into the horror side, there would have been a moment where she would see what they've made and how horrible it looks. And for him to look like, look, isn't it great? Yeah. Like a moment of stark reality, but no, it doesn't do that. No, instead, well, I mean, they show she it. She just seems sort of worried. Just she's just like, like, well, mm-hmm. what are they doing with that hamburger meat? I'll, she yeah. seems maybe like she just has like a stomach ache, like and, a mild stomach and ache. And they zap it and a bunch of flies come out of it, and it looks like they're failures until they give it maximum power. Mm-hmm. And Richie Rich is heckling them. <laughs> and once they zap it with max power, it starts breathing and it gets up. And it's running around. This chimp zombie's running around. It's screeching to people. It's like, I'm not practical effects anymore. Now I'm seeing... And before this point, there's been a ton of great practical effects. Like real gross-looking zombie bodies. Yeah, Yeah. and meat faces. Brown meat. Mm -hmm. And now it's CGI. But it would be hard, to be honest, it would be hard to do, even with today's practical effects, like without it costing a ton more money, a a realistic-looking zombie chimp racing around. Yeah, yeah, it's like... Even when he was alive, you couldn't get Kenny Baker in there to pilot the thing. <laughs> oh, I mean, they oh, have a maybe pr- Billy Barty. Maybe <laughs> they have a pretty great zombie chimp chase where, uh, Eagle, like Daniel Radcliffe is like. There's a kind of a funny moment where the chimp is like running towards a door where like people are like walking behind it and like Daniel Radcliffe. Like, no, 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 like, no, 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 they can't see our shame. Because he's, he's so much more worried about embarrassment than he is that this zombie chimp will bite his face yeah. off. But at, well, there's a point where the zombie there's chimp. There's multiple points where they're like wrestling with it and it makes me physically disgusted. Because <laughs> it's so gross. And the, here's the Stuart Gordon difference. With Stuart Gordon, he would have had a close up. When they're grappling with it, he would have had mm-hmm. close ups of the fingers sinking into the goopy like oh, wish that's made yeah. out of and pulling their hands away and there'd be like a sticky strand yeah, like of ooze. Goo. It would be like when uh, Sam Raimi or, or Peter Jackson would have done the same. And the monkey then would have like vomited in someone's mouth and they would have vomited <laughs> and everyone would have vomited like in Stand By Me. <laughs> or like in, uh, in Hateful Eight, that one big vomit scene, mm-hmm. which is what uh, my wife and I went to see it and her eyes were closed during the whole 
like blood killing stuff. And then there's a part where the part where he's just vomiting torrents of blood. Spoiler alert. I don't want to tell you what character. I went, whoa. And she opened her eyes again and then shut them. And I was like, why'd you open your eyes? She goes, she laughed. You laughed at it. I thought it was over. I thought the gore was over because he laughed. Wait, I do that all You're like, do you understand me at all? <laughs> we've been married for, at that point, we've been married for five years. Come on. But that's, and I, I mean, I'm assuming you guys are the same way, but anytime I see something horribly gross on the screen, especially in a theater full of people, you I totally it. crack up. I, we, when we saw Green Room, there were parts where I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was, it's not even that convincing an effect, but the first time I saw a taxi driver, when the guy goes, hey, and Travis Pickle just blows his fingers off, yep. I'd laughed at that because it was mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to process yeah, this. Yeah, I'm like, That's I got to rewind this and watch this thing like five times in a <laughs> I row. I got to funny games this and <laughs> rewind it and watch it again. <laughs> but uh, that, so there's a point, and so she is edging closer to the zombie chimp. The zombie chimp for a moment is by her tranquilized by her beauty and then, <laughs> and then snarls. And Daniel Radcliffe, for some reason, thinks it's a good idea to throw a lamp at it so that the fire forces it to jump towards his love, <laughs> but it runs out the door, and there is a really good kind of chimp grapple chase where Igor's just got to wrestle this chimp to the ground and get Sometimes it to a place. Sometimes you got to wrestle a chimp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, that chimp had an Igor on his back, mm-hmm. and it's, oh, get it to the point where James McAvoy can smash its head in to kill it, and yeah. it was at this point that the movie reached its height. Like, that was the most success... Like, the movie was at its height of success... And from that point on, it just became a pretty boilerplate. The cops are looking into the cop is looking into it further. They decide they're going to make a human. He's mad. James McAvoy is mad that Daniel Radcliffe is spending time with this girl instead of working on their project. They interact with the cop. The cop shows up and explains, like, oh, I'm on to you. And they're like, you don't have a warrant. And he's like, I'm going to go get a warrant because mm-hmm. apparently because that's how do the fucking process works back then. I mean, I don't know anything about 19th century London law, but. I kind of, I don't know that, I mean, maybe it's in the Magna Carta. I don't know. You need a warrant. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, if you, and there's this, all these uh, 16th century police things where they're like, open up. You have the jewels. Holds up a copy of the Magna Carta. Get a warrant, copper. <laughs> you can't search me oval. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've got the fucking Miranda rights. Like, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to a barrister. If you have no barrister, <laughs> then one will be appointed to you. Uh the, and uh, the rich kid is like, I misjudged you, Frankenstein. I want you to, I'm going to fund your work. I want you to build me an army of these gross an chimps. army mm-hmm. of zombie chimps, because that's the closest I'm ever going to get to being Danny DeVito in Batman Returns, uh-huh. when he had an army of penguins with missiles strapped to their backs. <laughs> yep. So do this for me, Dr. Frankenstein. Unfortunately, the police get, the police inspector, even though yeah. he's obsessively obsessed with the case, uh... He uh, or because of it, he decides I got to take them down. What they're doing is blasphemy yeah. against God. And yeah, Victor Frankenstein was working in his lab late one night when his <laughs> eyes beheld a, a dreadful sight, and it was Moriarty banging on the door, trying, trying to, to try, trying to get and him. two cops doing the most lackadaisical battering ram work. That's right. Now Igor gets there in the Igor, midst of it because he right is after, just first first banging with his girlfriend. Which at the, uh, that's when we realize. Why does she have a tattoo on her shoulder? <laughs> it's really weird. It feels like a makeup mistake where yeah. they're like, uh, let's just leave it. I guess she was a sailor. She, she's like uh <laughs> she's like an acrobat. That's kind of a, but then how, a saucy I, profession. Like that society is just gonna accept her? Yeah, I don't I can't I don't I don't see that. This dance. it's a weird movie set in 
in 19th century England that seems to have no sense of the class system of England, mm-hmm. except that some people are rich. Or the legal rich, system, as we just mentioned. Or the legal system. Some people are rich. Some people aren't as rich. What are you going to do? Also, some people are slaves to circuses. I don't know. But it's it's classic movie shorthand. We know that Daniel Radcliffe has had sex because we've seen him with his shirt off with the girl. And the next scene, he's not wearing a tie and a hat anymore. And he's fucking strutting. And he Cock is of the walk. laid back. Yeah, he is like, this guy has got this guy's gotten drained for the he, first time. Oh, boy. He could have basically like <laughs> wow. snatched an apple off like a passing cart and fucking chomped on it. Yeah. Look, looks in it, looks in, it the, in a shop window and just kind of gives him Hey, nice yeah, going there, guy. You're walking down the street saying, What a day it has been. <laughs> what a rare mood I'm in. You know it, how it, it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like being inside of a woman. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. He disgusting. like he passes a like a like a peasant woman that he they had peasants back then, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Most of them. And I mean, they, they didn't call them and peasants. He, like, they dances called them with her for a second and spins her. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> <laughs> Buy me apple, sir. Here's a here's a here's ten bob. I don't know how much is that. A lot. Thank you, sir. Bites coin, runs off. <laughs> to the alehouse with me. Uh, Apple Annie. To the opium den to chase the dragon. <laughs> I want to follow Apple Annie's story now. <laughs> to the opium. <laughs> the opium den to play double dragon. They got an arcade game there. Oh no! Beware the Peaky Blinders and the Abobos. <laughs> And uh, so Igor gets there, and he's like, huh? He gets in through the secret trap door because everywhere that this movie takes place, there's always a secret trap door. Mm-hmm. In the in the below a circus tent, there's a secret trap door that they escape through. Mm-hmm. In the lab, there's a secret trap door that leads to their, like, organ freezer. And so later there's a castle with a secret trap door. Anyway, uh, and he says to James McAvoy, we got to get out of here. And James McAvoy goes, no, I'm going to destroy my equipment. Then I'll escape. No one's going to have it. Uh, Moriarty breaks in. They have a fight. In the middle of it, uh, James McAvoy manages to stick Moriarty's hands between some gears, thus <laughs> destroying the hand, and yeah. the sparks blind him in one eye. That's pretty great. And, and uh, But it's one of those weird things where it was like, did they think, because like, young Frankenstein takes off of Son, Son of Frankenstein, where there's a police officer who has a wooden arm because the monster tore it off of him when he was a child. Did they feel like they had to nod to that, like... Well, of course, it's part of the established Frankenstein canon now that there's a police officer with a wooden arm. I that just I goes mean, without saying. Or did they, like the movie by does... some process of convergent evolution, did they just get, like, is it a wink to that or is it not? I think it's a wink because I feel like there were a lot of winks to, like, Frankenstein. To past movies. Yeah, I mean, there's even a point where uh, the the acrobat calls Frankenstein Frankenstein and he corrects Yeah, as a joke. Yeah, that's true. Uh, although Which makes I'm me wonder if, if the people who made this Know just that watched the w- Young Frankenstein? Yeah, and th- I thought that was the movie they were rebooting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have a scene where a kind of bad guy gets his hand stuck between some gears and it gets mangled off, mm-hmm. like why not do at least one shot of that thing squirting blood and bones and crap? All yes, over the place? show us the mangling. And him going ah, <laughs> ah <laughs> like a real ah. face um, with one long spurt of blood coming yeah, out of it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that, exactly where the hose that is. That would been great. That's all I want. Like, even fucking Romancing the Stone has that. Yeah. <laughs> even Romancing the, the Stone, which otherwise <laughs> is the pinnacle of special effects. I don't understand. <laughs> which otherwise, what is... is otherwise, is the gentlest <laughs> movie. <laughs> Yo, otherwise, is, it, is just a romp through a tea room. <laughs> <laughs> Even my dinner with Andre. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I guess flash forward a little bit. They're at the rich guy's house, and the rich kid says, My family has a castle. Go there, I'll set you up. 
make me a monster man. And Igor's like, I don't want to do that. Igor's also found out that the original Igor, uh, Frankenstein, froze, found, froze his body and took his eyes for that eye mm-hmm. experiment. And Igor's like, you took his eyes? And it's like, dude, where did you think he got a pair of human eyes for his experiment? He had to take them out of a human head. He didn't mold them out of clay. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. He went down to the eye store for uh, the new eye... He couldn't go. I don't know. I was trying to vamp. He couldn't go down to the (laughs) iWorks in New Los Angeles of Blade Runner and order a bunch of eyes from Mister Chu, whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. But uh, they so he so they split their ways. This is the part in Shrek where Shrek and the donkey get mad at each other and go their separate paths for reasons. And uh, so Igor, I guess, is just hanging and banging with his girlfriend. No, the uh, the she, rich guy doing? throws a bag over his head. Oh, and he's you're like, right. You know yeah. too much. We're going to check you in I the water. I forgot about that. The rich guy tries to kill Igor. Igor escapes. Yeah, because he's a circus guy, in, so he knows how to escape like from the being boring thrown into the water. Like, that's, that's what happens yeah. to a circus guy every day. You learn that stuff. He's an escape yeah. artist. Uh, he's a Mister Miracle. He says, "I got to warn Victor that this rich kid's probably going to kill him and take his technology." Which at this point, not the most marketable. No, all you've no. been able to show is that you can turn. Perfectly dead chimpanzees <laughs> into maniac monster zombie chimpanzees. Again, not on the open market. I don't know how much that's worth. So they go to the castle and they have to evade the police because even though the inspector has been kicked off the He's force. He's been kicked off the force due to improperly filing paperwork, it seems. <laughs> and because he has this crazy wooden hand now with individual fingers as yeah. if he's going to be able to move it like Ash in, in uh, Army of Darkness style. Yeah, or maybe he just wants to have a hand that he can pose for life drawing. Could yeah. be, yeah. Or he wants to be able to flip people the bird, so he needs individually articulated yep. Yeah, he's fingers. like, hold on, let me, hold on, as he's he like, curls each <laughs> finger down individually. individually. He's like, give me a second, what's the hand symbol for Rip'em from No Holds Barred, the Hulk Hogan <laughs> movie? Uh, so Igor has to evade the cops, he gets to the castle, it's the night of the big experiment. Dance. Yeah, it's the night of the big prom, and Igor doesn't have a date. I don't remember. He has two dates, actually, and he has to rush back and forth oh, between each no. one. and one of them's a real monster, mm-hmm. literally. Now, I couldn't, I can't remember how much time is supposed to have elapsed. I guess he had to recover, so that's given Dr. Frankenstein time to, like, get his stuff together. Get an army of goons. Because at the castle, he has got a huge staff of people. They have... It's enormous, all these electrodes. There's an open fire pit for some reason. Because yeah, yeah. I guess Hephaestus was working on the project. <laughs> or maybe once they brought the monster to life, they were going to celebrate with s'mores. They're I don't know. all wearing steampunk leather gear, wandering around. Some people just have goggles and leather aprons. Some people have, like, full leather face masks. like, uh, like Kind of like uh, Cobra Commander when he's not wearing the silver face. Yeah, kind of, yeah. It's, it, a little, it's like a cross between the really scary place in that David Lynch one minute long movie I recommended a while ago mm-hmm. premonition of a some of, of a, a yeah premonition of a shit something with a crime mm-hmm. yeah uh, but it, well anyway but uh, I can't believe I forgot the name of it and it's or like they've wandered into every bad guy's lair from every Hellboy story yep where it's like a castle with like a bunch of electrodes and guys in leather masks mm-hmm. and a head floating around in a suspensor chamber yeah going like ach wound ach wound ah meine gazelle ab ebenso and you're like oh man there's gonna be a fucking robot gorilla around the next corner <laughs> and at some point because because Mike Viola just loves to draw those and at some point mm-hmm. Hellboy's gonna be like damn crap and punch somebody with mm-hmm. his big rock fist oh what a great comic book yeah anyway. Uh, Igor gets there. It's the night of the big, uh, gonna bring a guy back to life. Uh, it's very elaborate. Igor manages to sneak in and finds Dr. Frankenstein and says, your rich buddy's crazy. He's gonna kill you when this is all done. You, this isn't you. You're not crazy. 
which ignores all the evidence we've seen throughout the entire mm-hmm. movie, which shows us he is a crazy madman who wants to bring people back to life. There's a whole backstory about his brother died because he was saving him from some snow. That's why he wants to balance the charts. And, yeah, the and movie tries for a moment to have a have this epiphany where Igor has you know is remembering something that uh, Doctor Frankenstein said about uh, and like a story that involves his brother dying, and he draws some kind of correlation. And then when he relates this analogy or the the story to Frankenstein, Frankenstein's like, "No, you drew the wrong conclusion," which is a fun device. Like I uh, like that reminds me of uh, there was an issue of Preacher where somebody was like, "Oh, you felt this way because of this oh, thing," right. and the guy's like, "That's not true." Blah blah blah. Now you're that. dead. It's Bang. Like ever since I, I saw this this dead girl in this massacre, yeah. And oh, and you wanted to protect people like that. What was it like? No, I thought it was stupid. Yeah. You know? <laughs> classic Garth Ennis. Or whatever. I don't know what Hair Star says. No, in that, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you you fleshed out that story better than I did. <laughs> but uh, it, I mean, it, it felt a little bit. It, it, but here in the movie, like, it was basically like, it was not so different. Like, yeah, the yeah. two stories, like, it was, you want to stop people from having to feel pain about death. No, no, no. I want to atone for my brother's death. Okay, that's not that different. It would have been by balancing the scales. It would have yeah. been the way I would have done it is I mean is that well, it wouldn't have gone to that point anyway. But I would have been much better. Sorry Max Landis. You've written you've written many more screenplays than me, but whatever. But uh the the way what I would have done at that point is he would have said, "I know you your brother died and you blame yourself and you don't want other people to go through that pain." And him to be like, "What? My brother was weak. My brother was is dead." I don't want that to happen to me, to be weak like him. I want to be strong. I want to come back. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do, I'm going to bring back as many other people as it takes so that I never have to die. And then yeah. he, he, like that, he's crazy. And yeah. that he, that's a real misreading of it. They're like, oh, you think I feel sad that my brother died? I just pity him. That's pathetic. Mm-hmm. He was older than me. He should be cooler than me. Mm-hmm. Literally, he was cooler than me. He died of hypothermia <laughs> in the snow, saving me. And it's like, dude. Check like you're, your own you're, self. You're, you're splitting hairs, Victor. Keep going with your story. <laughs> and I, I apologize. Tangent. Anyway, and especially in my big moment. But here's the thing. I was like, this guy who I looked up to, he's so uncool, he died. You know what? Cool people never die. Michael Jackson, he's going to live forever. And Igor's like, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> Ooh, he's, he's, he's dead now. Oh, well, mm, that's, but David Bowie, surely. But, but David Bowie is super cool. He can't even be held by gender. Certainly, mortality is mm-hmm. no again. Sorry, it happens to well, everyone. But Prince, of course, he's the. I got so much. You've really been working <laughs> on this project for a long time. You really missed a lot of the news. But Kurt Cobain, uh, I really would have thought you'd have heard of that one. No, that's <laughs> that's a little taste of some of the stuff we lost from the, the DC show. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Wait, wait, the Big Bopper. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That was somehow before you were born, even though this is the 19th century. But please tell me the Big Bopper, Buddy Holly, and Richie Valens are still with us. It's interesting that you chose those three specifically. But what about the members of Leonard Skinner that that didn't survive the plane crash? They're still with us, right? I mean, do you not know their names? Is that why you referred to them that way? Kind of. Kind of breaking the conceit here if you know they died. Oh, brother. I'm going to list off some names to you. Sure. Paul McCartney, George Harrison. No, mm. dead, dead. <laughs> McCartney's still with us. Oh, sorry, what was him? I meant, I meant, uh... <laughs> Don't, unless, no, look, unless, listen, you know what, between listen, us recording this and it gets released, Paul McCartney dies, in which not. case I'll feel terrible. I meant to say John Lennon. Look, listen to this episode 30 years from now. He's bound to be dead by then. 
Oh, bro. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, You'll yeah, be yeah. 100 years old. <laughs> yeah. I apologize, Dan. You know what? For saving Paul McCartney in my world from mm-hmm. the fate of being a decrepit old, <laughs> just shambling thing made of bags of bones, occasionally playing the mandolin. Yep. By then, I'll have his wings. Angel uh, wings. Okay. <laughs> anyway. That was the stupidest joke I made tonight. I hope Thanks, my dad guys. doesn't listen to this episode. Die. Paul McCartney's his hero. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what that's what that's his living will. It just says that. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, Paul McCartney is technically brain dead. We could keep his body alive on these machines. Let's check his his uh, life care plan. Just says live and let die. It's pretty confusing, Paul. <laughs> really don't. So do you want to let us die? Or do you want to let us let you die? Or do you want to live? Really? Should have been clear. It says right here. Well, I'm not sure if he's saying here this ever-changing world in which we live in or in which we live in. One is redundant mm-hmm. and one is not. You gotta yep. be clear with us, Sir Paul. Yep. And this is just weird where it says, Admiral Halsey notified me <laughs> he had to have a drink or half a cup of tea. <laughs> Something about a butter pie? <laughs> butter pie? The butter wouldn't melt so he poured it in the pie. Uh, is that uh, That's the accident that led to his being in this coma. <laughs> I and think it, I got the lyrics a little bit wrong, but you get the idea. Hands across the water. Who cares? Yeah. Anyway. So there's a big showdown at the and a throwdown. Mm-hmm. They managed to bring the monster who they named Prometheus to life. And guess what? He's a dumb monster who's just pushing things over. The policeman rushes in, tries to shoot and kill him. The yep. monster doesn't like choke that. Choke slam. Starts choke slamming everybody. Kills the inspector. Everybody's dying everywhere. There's yep. explosions. Everybody's they, dying. There's a ton of explosions. At some point, Mark Gaddis... Gets exploded. Mark Gaddis, who is in a non-speaking role. <laughs> He's a glorified extra. Yeah, yeah. And Stuart was so excited every time. I got so excited voice. when he came up. You were like, know. a major character. Yeah. Uh, he had a great mustache. Oh, of course he had a great mustache. He had a great everything, Dan. It may, it ends up that just being the only people alive, left alive, or the only lovers left alive mm-hmm. are Igor, uh-huh. Dr. Frankenstein, and the monster. And let's yep. just say this. This movie had set a bar for grossness, and they really – they want to make it a big reveal when you see the monster for the first time. And this monster did not cut it. Yeah, it was super generic. Super generic. Like this was the the Frankenstein's monster you see in front of the Halloween store. No, not even in front of the Halloween store. They put the good one in front of the Halloween store. Mm -hmm. This is the one you see in the back of the Halloween store where they're like, "Uh, if anyone gets back here, they're going to see more Halloween stuff. So we'll put this super generic Frankenstein's monster that just kind of has a flattish head and it's kind of like got bolts and stuff. And you go to see it and there's a guy waiting by there and like, I know it's not very scary, but think about it. He's got two hearts. Yeah, that's right. They also, they made him with- Four lungs. They made him with two hearts and four lungs. Two of hearts. Which Four I thought of lungs. Stuart and Elliot were talking about comics, so they missed it. But I thought there was a pretty funny moment where, like, uh, we weren't just talking about comics; we we're talking about profit, which they, is a great, yeah, comic. It's a great comic. They thought that the that the uh, Frankenstein's monster was dead, and Victor Frankenstein was like Igor. Two hearts, <laughs> and he has to stab him in the second heart. That's a pretty good moment. <laughs> pretty good joke. Wow, I didn't realize that Mark Gaddis's character has a name. Uh, what is it? Grimsby? Sure, it's called Awesome Mustache it's Dude. Detweiler. Oh, wow. But, uh... So... So, he, so, you know, everyone ends relatively happily. Uh, they, there's a... It ends with being a big fight between Dr. Frankenstein, Igor, and the monster. And that is a good joke that they, like, stab it through the heart, but then it's got another heart, so it's still living. Mm-hmm. But it's another one where suddenly they have superhuman Superman fighting skills, and it's like, oh, so this monster's not really that scary if two dudes, one of whom only learned to walk normally 
a few months ago yeah. can just defeat it. But his knowledge of the human or monster anatomy is so good that that thing's just screwed. Uh, He's I, like four or five moves ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's a master chess. Mm-hmm. And so they all, they survive. Uh, the girl shows up in the m- middle of the wreckage the next morning, takes Igor away, and has a note that Dr. Frankenstein wrote him, where Dr. Frankenstein says, you'll always be my greatest creation, Igor. Well, friends, you know what? We may, you, we may, we should part for a little BFFs. while. BFFs. But I'm gonna, I may need your help again sometime in the future. Until then, I remain, and then the title Victor Frankenstein comes up. Ah! Bump, 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 slide on sunglasses, CSI Miami. I do love that he's like, I may need your help in the future. And it cuts to him looking at a, a, like a crude drawing of a head with the top cut off, and it's his brain with like an arrow. <laughs> There's an arrow pointing at a brain. It's his brain. Like he was like, oh. right, that's what I forgot. Brain goes in the head. I put it in the butt. That's why it was so dumb. There is a moment where he sees the monster for the first time, and he's like, I did it, brother. I brought you back. And he sees no spark of intelligence in this mm-hmm. being. And he's like, no, this isn't life. And it was one of the things where it was like, what did you think you were making, dude? Like, like he was going to start eat, drinking tea and talking? Like, at the, ver- at the very least, he is a baby with the body of a giant, you know? Yeah. That's best case scenario. You're going to have to teach him how to talk. Yeah, like Dauber from Coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, perfect analogy. It's pretty rough, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, we're but, running super long again. Let's, uh, let's, let's, sorry, so Final Judgments. Let's do Final Judgments. Is this a good, bad movie? Wait, hold on. Is this totally Mm -hmm. scarifying? Thank you. Is it totally snorifying? Or is it frighteningly funny? Stuart, what do you have to say? Worst categories. They never... Uh, So there's a chance that this movie was going to be frighteningly funny. uh, But it ended up being snorifying. Uh, The first, like, half an hour is all right. um, And then it just kind of falls apart and gets really boring. Uh, I don't say this a lot, but the fact that there's only one woman with a speaking role just seemed weirdly more pronounced in this yeah. specific movie. I don't yeah. know she why. She barely had any personality. Yeah, it was just so... It was oh, such she a, was pretty, Dan. That was the personality. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know... It, I mean, I don't know what could have saved this movie, but uh, yeah, yeah, point, not a great movie. Might as well just not have the, a female character in it. Kind of, yeah. I mean... it only It was like by including one, it highlighted how unnecessary and just token she was yeah like glenn gary glenn ross's shit just make it a bunch of angry guys yelling at each other in a high pressure situation get al pacino <clears throat> kevin spacey ed harris the late jack lemon and it mm-hmm. and it feels alan like arkin. alan arkin jeff uh john jonathan price let's say jeffrey price that's not his mm-hmm. name uh, Alec remember? Baldwin for yeah. a scene written just for the movie not in the original play glenn uh, gary think, frankenstein i think Paul Rudd? Yeah. Uh, nope. <laughs> Gonna say negatory to that one. <laughs> no, there's that Jack one Jack Black in a like, non-speaking role. Ducked his head in and he winked. <laughs> yeah. He said, was, gotta go. Yeah. Gotta go be a kid right now. It feels like uh, she was included, and a couple of the characters seem like they're included exclusively to force very brief uh, discussions of, like, the metaphysical and ethical ramifications of trying to bring a dead body back to life. Yeah. Uh, in conversations that felt pretty out of place for like, oh, you're an acrobat. You know a lot about like, <laughs> you know a lot about morals and stuff. I mean, don't limit her. Um, okay, I guess you're right. But but uh, I I would say this was a movie not to go by our dumb Shocktober ra- rating. What system. dumb sir, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I apologize, sir. Not to go for our shitty Shocktober <laughs> ratings. Okay. This is for the first like 30, 40 minutes. This was I was like, this is gonna be a movie I kind of like. Um, it's not great, 
but I'm enjoying this as kind of like a crazy, gross spin on the Frankenstein story. And then it just became snorifying. Like, it, around the time that, when that zombie chimp died, the movie spirit died with it. <laughs> you know, I have enough goodwill from the first hour of this movie, the zombie chimp hour of this movie, to give it a marginally, uh, totally scarifying. Cause I mean, even, it's not scary. No, it's not scary. Scarifying just means quality, is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean... It was just certainly better than I, Frankenstein, which was a piece of garbage. We, even when it gets boring, it's still kind of fun because the actors are so good and like there's stuff like we didn't even get into the fact that the um the uh moriarty character basically just just dies by getting like slammed into a big like electrode where the he gets like he's like swings into where the, uh, the frankenstein, monster, frankenstein like, monster had been like throws suspended him at it, right? from the ceiling yeah and he gets lightningified and it's, no but the last it's at like, that point you're like hooray he can be with his wife yeah, yeah, that's a happy ending for him. This is a movie where every, well, the main Does three characters all heaven? have like a dark backstory, and, and they have to bring it up. Like it's a, the police detective has a dead wife, Frankenstein yeah. has a dead brother. I wish there was less backstory. Just have the characters do what they're doing. We don't need to know it all. But I wish there's like that stretch between Zombie Chimp and the Gotterdammerung at the end where they <laughs> everything goes to balls. Like between that long stretch, really. D- kills it but then it picks up energy at the end yeah. if that Frankenstein monster had had a more interesting design then the ending might have saved it for me because yeah. if it was like some lumbering disgusting thing I would have been like oh this movie's back you know they brought it back from the dead with lightning and gross yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. and then Igor pulls out a whip and he basically becomes Simon Belmont from the Castlevania series and he like slashes open his guts yeah, and then like and a second baby out. Frankenstein comes out of the guts <laughs> and it's like <laughs> <laughs> Now it's now it's three men and a and a baby, and they got to <laughs> like, feed what are we it. Do with this like thing? put lightning in a bottle and then give it to him. <laughs> I love forget me not. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And we've been doing Jordan Jesse Go for almost 10 years now. And it's not gotten any easier to describe. So we asked our fans to do it for us. Jordan Jesse Go is a weekly conversation with two best pals, two hilarious friends, the hilarious smart kids, talking about hilarious stuff that happens to them, mostly really stupid stuff, awkward anecdotes, insane tangents. Heartfelt stuff. It's like being thrown in the middle of a hilarious conversation between you and your best pals. It's a show that makes me laugh every week, which is pretty rare and wonderful. Might be the best thing on the internet. One of the funniest things you will hear. And it's the best part of my week and has kept me company for the past seven years through all sorts of life. I love those guys. That's Jordan Jesse Go, the comedy podcast that's been named Best of iTunes. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcasting software. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Uh, but we got to move on. Do we have to? And by moving on, I mean we have... Slowly unfolding a piece of paper. A couple of... Slower. Of advertisers. Maybe unfold them before the show. <laughs> Really unfolding those papers still. <laughs> well, now you're just taking my time. Um, and were you keeping them a secret from us? Is that why they're folded that's up? Right. It's a Shocktober surprise. And the surprise is that the flop house is supported in part by Mac Weldon. Ooh. What? I'm wearing a Mac Weldon undershirt right now. I had a big meeting today and I wanted to feel my best. That's so why you look really? so confident. Mm-hmm, thank you. So I wore my Mac Weldon undershirt. 
and I didn't feel anywhere near as sweaty and gross as I do in my other undershirts. I've got my Malk, Mac, Mac Weldon underwear on. My Malk, Malk, Malk. That's why Mac you look Weldon. so super confident, too, Dan. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, look, guys, Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Uh, and it's certainly very simple. <laughs> scanning, scanning. Mm-hmm. It was just the, uh, <laughs> you really launched into that ad copy strong and then kind of <laughs> pulled a Barack Obama. Acquiring. Uh, <laughs> acquiring. <laughs> buffering. <laughs> Matt Weldon believes in smart design and easy shopping. Buffering. <laughs> buffering. <laughs> uh, I was trying to remember my Mac Weldon shopping experience. Uh, that was what the buffering was. But the thing is, the, f- the fact that I can't remember it Suggest that it was It was super simple easy. easy. You put a bunch of underwear in your cart, mm-hmm, you pay mm-hmm. for it, you get it and you wear it, and you're like, this is super comfortable. I feel a lot less sweaty and gross, Yeah, and I can wear it all day, even longer than normal underwear. I may not take it off ever. Treat yourself. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will refund you, no question asked. And, uh, you know, you keep that underwear because, you know, no one wants used underwear. You don't want to send that stuff back. Yeah, yeah. Vending machines full of it in Japan. That's true. Uh, or so the legend goes. Mac Weldon's underwear. <laughs> legend of movie dick. <laughs> Socks and shirts are good for all sorts of things. Working out, going to work, going on dates, just everyday life. They look good. Ladies like the way that men look in them. Mm-hmm. And men like men like the way men like them. Men like the way they look. I mean, I only my only experience is with ladies, so I'm sure men like them too. Uh, if you want to look even good, in college, I pretty early on I knew what I was into. All right, there's no judgment there. It's just like, hey, certain types of music I don't like either. Go ahead and listen to it. I don't care, but it's just not my thing. Just checking out. Uh, Although I listen to a lot of reggae. He's now looking for a chink in that armor. I listen yeah. to a lot of reggae I'm now. Looking for a chance. <laughs> my son really likes Bob Marley, so we end up listening to a lot of Bob Marley in the house. Now I'm developing a taste for it I never had before. Maybe if my son is gay, I'll start being into dudes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you want to have something to talk about around the old fire. I mean, that's one of the great things about having children is that their interests open up new worlds for you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that involves man on man. I don't know. Yeah, and the moral Look, of all this Mac is... Mac Weldon. Buy is it. Mac Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code FLOP. Uh, Get ready to wear the best underwear you've ever worn. You want to uh, talk to us about Casper mattresses? I would love to. Now, we're also supported in part by Casper, the online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price that you'd pay in the store for a non-premium mattress. Uh, It's obsessively engineered. They have obsessed over the engineering, much like Dr. Frankenstein, obsessed over bringing life back from the dead. Except instead of tampering in God's domain, they're tampering in your bedroom's domain. And I think you're going to like the tampering that they did. It's a shockingly fair price. Now, uh, Dan, you have more personal experience with Casper mattresses than I do. I do have a Casper mattress. It's a delight for sleeping on and sleeping on. dot, dot, dot. Yep. Tell us less. Sleeping on. Yeah, whether you're sleeping out of tiredness or sleeping out of depression, mm-hmm. Casper mattresses. Both of those things are, I have experience with. Uh, now, there's a risk free trial and turn policy. Try sleeping on it for 100 days. Use your Casper mattress for 100 days. That's slightly more than three months. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you don't like it, it's free delivery and painless returns. The mattresses are made in America by Americans. So you know it's both high quality and patriotic. And it's $500 for a twin size mattress, $950 for a king size mattress. That is, excuse me, that is a lot less than I paid for my current mattress, which makes me mad that I didn't wait for Casper to exist. Because when I bought my mattress, Casper didn't exist yet. 
Yeah. And they send it to you in a box, and it pops out when you open up the box, mm-hmm. right? And you'll like sleep a, like the dead. Like Erica Laniak <laughs> Under Siege. It pops right out. <laughs> um, yep. Again, I don't really love this. is a certain like sexist to your references these days. No, it's it? not. It's just an. It's just a. It's just a reference. It's not. I mean, a, I mean it is the most paused part of Under Siege. <laughs> it's right. part of video rentals. Uh, now, Flophouse listeners get a special offer. That's fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com/flop and using the promo code flop when you check out. Now, again, that's www.casper.com/flop. Use the promo code FLOP. That's $50 off of your mattress. It's already a low price. Now it's going to be even lower. Try it for 100 days. You don't like it. Send it back. Terms and conditions apply. I don't know what that means. You'll have to do the work on that one, fair listeners. Uh, but now that all the business is taken care of, Ooh. we can get on to letters from listeners. Listeners like you? Question mark? Maybe. Listeners you like you. Uh, if you did... This could be your letter. Letters from listeners on Shocktober. La 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 la. Danny Hoffman style music. Shocktober letters. Nice. Uh, so this is from first name withheld, last name withheld. <laughs> okay, so nobody sent this. Who writes, hello, I'm a pretty recent listener, but I love your show and have been burning through your back catalog at about two episodes a day. That's a lot. I was so excited when I saw you guys had finally broken down and reviewed Nothing But Trouble with the great John Hodgman, no less. I have a bit of a weird perspective on that movie. I had never seen it until a few years back when my girlfriend excitedly picked up a DVD copy out of a department store clearance bin and insisted we watch it that night. Come to find out, this film is a favorite of her family. What? Just as some families get together and watch It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas Story, the last name withheld gather around the TV in delight and nothing but trouble, laughing heartily to each other and quoting their favorite lines later at the dinner table. It's quite a thing to experience. <laughs> Their miniature train bedecked <laughs> dinner table where they eat huge fr- franks. You know what? When I read this email for the first time, I imagined the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we live the nothing but trouble lifestyle. I hope you'll be a part of it. <laughs> it's quite a thing to experience being the only one in a room full of people who doesn't think nothing but trouble is a cinema classic. <laughs> so he's dating Dan Aykroyd's daughter, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Well, he says, from this upbringing, you might be imagining my girlfriend turning out to be a dangerous lunatic. But oddly enough, she and her whole family are otherwise quite pleasant and normal. I'm trying to imagine what lines from that movie they're quoting. I mean, it's basically just what those two little crazy baby characters are talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, Bad Boy and Toonsbow or whatever their names are. <laughs> little Devil. Little Devil and, and Beel's a baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I would normally advise you to break up with this person immediately, but... Uh, no, study this person. No, yeah. You've got a one a front row, close. one-way ticket to the rarest of all breeds, a clan of nothing but troublers in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, find out what they like about it so much. Yeah, report back. Observe them. Mm-hmm. Take notes. Uh, be take wary, little. because uh, when you study monsters... Be worried that you may become one. I think Dylan Thomas said that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so many errors. Dear Dan, Salacious Stu and Exuberant Elliot. I'm I don't get a nickname. Mm, apparently. Oh, well, dear Dan. Yep. Dear Salacious Dan. Stu is dear that guy Dan. who sits on Java's right, tail. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh this past apparently weekend. Apparently Stan Lee wrote us this letter. I uh this past weekend I went to see Scarface with the flop cult I've assembled here in New Zealand based on your teachings. 
Although I'd obviously seen clips of the movie before. I'd never watched the whole thing. Now, which, from context, can you tell which Scarface is this? Is this the original Howard Hawks, or is this the later one? Uh, from context, I believe it's the later one. I'm assuming. Um, based on... I can't, I'm, as a philosopher, I assume nothing. <laughs> uh, although I'd obviously seen clips of the movie before, I'd never watched the whole thing in its entirety. And what amazed me most about it was how many hundreds of references to... And parodies of Scarface I've seen in my life. Oh, okay, so it's the later one. Without Nobody parodies the first one. <laughs> exactly what they're from. Do you think Scarface is the most referenced or parodied movie of all time? What would be the other contenders? What movie have you watched that made you go, oh, so that's what that is? Hope you're all well. Dre, last name with L. I would put Wizard Susan, of Oz and... Susan Kane is pretty up there. I would put Wizard of Oz and The Godfather as the two I can think mm-hmm. of that I feel like I've seen parodied the most. The Godfather was definitely one of those ones where as a kid... I saw references to it, like the horse head in the bed. I knew about long before I ever saw the movie because there were jokes for it everywhere. And like the, all, a lot of the lines in it and things. Like Marlon Brando's performance, it actually took me a long time to not think of as a joke because mm-hmm. I had seen parodies of it and other things. Yeah. Those are good ones. Um, I mean... And probably like Smurfs too, or like that, that Alvin the Chipmunks road chip movie. That's been parodied a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I saw... <laughs> I saw it's the a part of part of our culture, you know. Yeah, it's part of the landscape. It's part of the shared the shared heritage. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the oral tradition. <laughs> I saw the Bobo episode of The Simpsons before I saw uh, Citizen Kane, and so it was a much richer experience once I knew that the whole episode was pretty much a Citizen straight Kane parody of Citizen Kane. Uh, although Citizen Kane doesn't uh, end with a robotic Citizen Kane in the future, a monkey future. Uh, taking his sled. Maybe it would have been a success if it had. Yeah. Now, uh, I remember I, it took me a long time to realize that Silence of the Hams was a parody of Silence of the Lambs. You thought it was just a great Tom DeLuise vehicle. <laughs> you know, I was like, Dom's done it again. <laughs> Dom DeLuise, more like Dom Della laughs. Now, on the other hand, you've got a movie like Airplane, which at this point has completely surpassed the movies that it was parodying mm-hmm. in terms of cultural relevance and people remembering it and now you see like references to airplane whereas airplane was very closely parodying what's zero hour zero hour yeah and like the idea of the airport movies do you think the do you think the scary movie guys were really kind of shooting for that with their uh their trilogy maybe i mean i would i would if they had been like you know what someday people are gonna think scream was a ripoff of us Mm -hmm. like they might have thought that our movie that features a guy getting impaled through the head with a penis through the ear. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way you describe it, it sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, if Takashi Miike directed it, we'd be like, that's great, we gotta go see it. <laughs> what an auteur. <laughs> this one is from Adam, last name withheld, who writes, Hey, Elliot slash Stuart slash Dan. Adam the First Man, also known as Frankenstein's Monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what is God but the original Dr. Frankenstein? <laughs> Elliot Stewart Dan. Can we really say that the real man that God created has done that much better than Frankenstein's monster? No, just a just an idiot raging at uh, an unforgiving uh, We're chaos. just violent idiots ro- shambling around punching stuff for no reason. Yeah. Uh, hey, Elliot Stewart Dan, in order of what I assume is your interest in kaiju films. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyways, I have a couple of questions for you. Number one, I'm a big Godzilla. <laughs> What's a kaiju film? <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I'm a big Godzilla fan, 
And having recently re-listened to your old episodes. Now, do you mean you're a big fan of Godzilla or you're a fan of when Godzilla's big and not that Marvel comic storyline where he shrunk down? Or you're a fan who is big. Who mm-hmm. enjoys Godzilla? Yeah, yeah like you, you're a little boy who <laughs> cast a spell on yourself, and you're gonna fuck some old lady. Yeah, <laughs> old lady. I mean, I guess she's she was probably like Elizabeth Perkins. Okay, chill out. <laughs> I'm Who's saying old now? in comparison because well, he was ages. a fucking little boy, man. <laughs> a little boy, man. <laughs> exactly. It was yeah. an apt descriptor. Uh, What's I'm, the name of the machine? They found. Uh, it's not Zardoz. I keep wanting to keep wanting to say Zardoz. I was about uh, to say Jombie, but I think that's wrong. <laughs> Zul- Zoltan. Zoltan. That's what it is. Uh, so uh, the ambig- ambiguous sentence again. I'm a big Godzilla fan. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> having table that one recently re-listened to your old episodes, I have heard Elliot make quite a few references to the old Godzilla movies, like specifically the almost incomprehensible moral message of Godzilla 2000, being that. There's a little bit of Godzilla in all of us. Oh, beautiful. As he's destroying the city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they look happily on. It's wonderful. It's a great I mean, ending. he has just defeated an alien invader using I know, but kick like, fighting, but still. <laughs> the guy and the kid, like, looking on. And then he goes, why is Godzilla always saving us as he's burning down a city? <laughs> <laughs> That's his right. It's right after killing he's the giant alien. He's the protector and, oh, and shepherd of this earth. Uh, now I have to ask all three of you, which is your favorite Godzilla movie? The original 1954, Gojira, 1956, Godzilla King of the Monsters is off the table because everyone loves that one. Number two question, the Adventure Zone crossover is one of my favorite episodes that you guys have done. Now I don't know your levels of experience with D&D are different between the three of you. Stuart reigns supreme here. But what are your favorite classes to play? I look forward to hearing your responses. And whatever humorous tangents they lead to. Well, don't put too much pressure Come on Come on, dude. You don't can't ask for it. Now it's not going to happen. Adam, mm-hmm. last name with help. It's like going into a date and you're like, I'm looking forward to the sex we'll have tonight. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you just made it not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if it does happen, it's going to be mechanical and workmanlike. Yeah, because you're going out with a robot, dude. Mm-hmm. Because I consider this sex that I'm giving you, sir, as payment for the Olive Garden you put in my belly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm pretty mercenary when it comes to dating, Dan. When it comes to Olive Garden. <laughs> hey, You're here, you? your family, and when I'm here, it's just to get some sweet breadstick before we bone down. Here, Sick carbo load before I bone <laughs> When you're down. here, you're a prostitute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my favorite Godzilla movies, I'll just get right off the bat, of the modern era, Godzilla Final Wars is super fun. There's a little bit too much fighting between humans and humanoid aliens where it's just Matrix-style martial arts. Mm-hmm. Some of that is good goes a little too far and i like that the morality of that movie is also weird and then it seems to end with godzilla and minya uh forgiving america for dropping the atomic bomb on japan not something they really have the right to do but when i was a kid for some reason i really loved terror of mechagodzilla which has godzilla mechagodzilla and titanosaurus mm-hmm. and i don't know it's not particularly good but for some reason i really liked it a lot as a kid uh i don't really have a wide experience so i'm I saw Godzilla 2000 in the theaters and I had a ball. So I'm going to go with that because I don't have, like, as I said, a big frame of reference. Although non, is- non-Godzilla Kaiju, I enjoy watching Mystery Science Theater episodes of, with Gamera. With Gamera, yeah. 
There, there's a there's this new Godzilla movie that's coming out that looks like it could be really good. Yeah, but what are we gonna say, Stu? <clears throat> um, I'm also gonna say I'm gonna pick a non-Godzilla kaiju movie. I was a sucker for Mothra for some reason growing uh-huh. up. I don't know if it was those little oh, girls see, that I'd are still singing the Mothra that a Godzilla song. movie. It's in the Godzilla verse. Um, but what I would also like to recommend is if you like kaiju and you like comics. Mm-hmm. Run, don't walk to your local comic shop and pick up the uh, the comic book uh, Kaiju Max by Xander Cannon. I'm a huge fan. Uh, it manages. It's a uh, a story about kaiju in a world where kaiju are kept on a prison island. Uh, so it manages to be very cartoony and colorful, but also a very dark prison drama. It's a pretty featuring, harrowing prison story. It's a pretty yeah exactly. But and uh, the writing manages to fit a lot of fun jokes and references to kaiju movies and monsters and stuff like that. And Xander Cannon's a great artist. Oh, and he's he's great. So if you get a chance, go check that out. And it's pretty, well, I think the first trade's only 10 bucks, so. Mm-hmm. But the second question was, what are favorite classes to play in D&D? And I don't know that Elliot and I have much to, to say me, about D&D this. To me, D&D is dinosaurs and diners. That's what I grew up with. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stu, you take this one. Uh, so Elliot's obviously loves playing bards. He loves uh, oh, having Caesar talk and sing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> if I didn't play a druid, I think I would want to play a rogue. That's yeah, yeah. To me. maybe your druid could become a rogue. He, he, is a, kind he, of, he became a bit of a rogue in a upcoming uh, episode uh, that we won't talk about because we're we're just teasing it now. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, his his personality went underwent a very radical up, shift, very abrupt <laughs> shift halfway through the adventure. Perhaps he's finding that mystery that he's searching for, yeah. that dark mystery of the universe. Uh, I would say I really like playing. <laughs> I really like playing paladins because I like playing. Uh, I have a tendency to like playing really strong, really charismatic dudes that might mm. be a little bit dumb. Okay, yeah, that's adorable. Um, last letter of the evening from Patrick Henry, last name withheld. Hey, floppos. I recently was flooded with terrible memories of times I showed girls movies I thought would make me seem interesting. Like when I was a freshman in high school and tried to impress. I a- was a freshman. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I was going to let it go that he said freshman <laughs> weird, but you know what? On it. You know what? Call I- me Prometheus. <laughs> you know what? I- Someday I'll be a sophomore. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I overpronounced it because this person wrote like when I was a freshman in high school. So I was correcting a mistake in the letter. M I N M E N. Yeah, like middle of the fucking Mississippi, dude. Like multiple men. Okay. Oh, like multiple men. Jamie Madras. Yeah. So I was I was doing him a favor, but you you called me out on it. I didn't. I did. Don't look at me, sir. Take your accusing eyes and turn them t'other way. Perhaps I'm simply an agent of Elliot. Who's who's really in charge of Stu? Stu or me? Like when I was a freshman in high school. And I tried to impress a British girl by showing her Guy Ritchie's snatch. Just going to let him press go? Yeah. <laughs> or later, when I thought I would seem edgy by making a prospective mate since sit through Darren Aronofsky's pie because Requiem for a Dream was too mainstream. Needless to say, these attempts were fruitless. Do you guys have any memories of times you tried to show someone you were romantically interested in a movie and in retrospect it was a poor choice? Patrick Henry, last name withheld. P.S. The first movie me and my now partner for six years watched together was The Big Lebowski while my brother was passed out on the couch. So it all works out in the end. Uh, 
Okay. I mean, like, I certainly like, remember in high school showing a girl that I like. So wait, are we going to lay some ground rules and say this isn't a opportunity for us to just brag about all the times so we totally hooked up with chicks no, while this, watching movies? we're only talking about times we didn't hook up with chicks. Okay. Like, that like, when I was at, in high school, I showed a girl Brazil. Because mm-hmm. I was like, this movie's amazing. And she thought it was really weird. And I remember two times now, I've taken women to see 2001 A Space Odyssey and have them, one, fall asleep during it. And the other time, I, my then girlfriend, now wife, we went to see the movie The Fall, which the, uh, no, your favorite the movie. Tarsim movie, which is one of my favorite movies. And then we, I was like, 2001's playing at midnight, same theater, let's go to that. And the whole time she's like, like why, why are we sitting through this movie? Yeah. It's so late and I'm so tired. Sarah and I, our taste movie was very close together, uh, but I do remember one time when I was describing the plot of Audition to her, and I was like making a point about, I was like explaining how this movie about torture was actually a movie about like feminism. Why did you ruin that movie for somebody? Let them go into it fresh, dog. (laughs) So she'll hate you for real. Yes. Why don't you watch it and then write it about the middle point. You turn and just focus on watching the reactions. (laughs) Put a camera on her. She almost immediately. Two girls, one cup this. She almost immediately was like, I'm not interested in hearing about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in this movie. I don't care. No, but then she keeps saying deeper, deeper. And you're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so. I actually the other night I was just for some reason audition came up in conversation and I literally I, I all I told Danielle was that oh yeah and halfway through it turns out she's a crazy person I won't tell you what happens at the end and she said thank you yeah. the, that's my favorite thing is when you're explaining something that you know the other person isn't interested in and you have that moment of realization I was like I think I was describing the plot of a Rick and Morty episode to my <laughs> wife and I'm like I should probably stop doing this but I need to have some kind of like uh, I need to like wrap it up somehow I need to give her a beginning middle and end of this story because the lack of closure will be even worse than the time I'm taking <laughs> no. from her life which episode? Uh, I think it was the uh, the Mr. Poopy butthole episode oh. Okay, sure. Which is a great episode. There was a time at my old job when I was a production assistant where I somehow found myself going into a monologue with a couple of my coworkers about the greats of stop motion animation. (laughs) (laughs) And while I'm talking about how like Willis O'Brien taught, you know, mentored Ray Harryhausen, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, why are you talking about this? They don't give a shit. Look at their faces. This is a waste of their time that I like. Couldn't pull out of the dive. <laughs> it's just like, no, I have to see this through. I'm going to tell them about Phil Tippett, and then I'll just stop there. Um, to actually answer the question, I know I know at least two different women have fallen asleep while I showed them Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> I, of course, stayed up for the entire you weren't movie. Trying to, sure. I assume you weren't trying to impress them with Conan the Barbarian. You just like Conan the Barbarian. I think it's an awesome... I mean, I don't know. I don't want... I mean, I don't show women movies to impress them. I mean, it's not with this. I don't know if necessarily trying to impress them, but like you're no, like, but I want to show cool. I want to share something that I love, yeah, and yeah. I think it's cool. And I obviously could expound at length about why it's cool, but I never had the opportunity because they'd fall asleep. I and I've told the story on here. I think this is not the same thing, but when I showed my wife the Iron Giant when we were first going out. And I warned her ahead of time, like, I'm going to cry at this movie. And she was like, that's fine. That's okay. And then afterwards, she was like, I didn't think you were going to cry that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, I thought you were going to, like, tear up. But your face is all wet. <laughs> still, it still does it to me. I just think about that movie and it makes me yeah. cry. 
Yeah, it's like when I watch the end credits of Return of the King, I'm like, <laughs> Charlene, get out of the room. Just don't look at me ever again. It can't be over. I'm going to be a it mess. It can't be over. Take The Hobbit, which has almost no plot, and turn it into three it's movies, when they please. Start doing the when they start uh, doing the credits and they show like the like sketches of the yeah. different... Oh, my God, I lose it every time. <laughs> oh, fuck. Mm. So what do we do now, Dan? The letters are done. Gone the sign. Oh, yeah. From the hills, from the whatever. Mm-hmm. This is off the to po- the graves, <laughs> <laughs> along with I think Bilbo. <laughs> yeah, this is the point in the flop house where we recommend movies that we actually like. Movies that might be a better way to spend your time than watching Victor Frankenstein. Although that almost again, I kind of liked it, but let's go, uh, Stuart. Good turn. Sure. As Dan saw uh, that I was yawning, he so and was looking at me, waiting for me to finish to answer. He then decided, you know what? I'll go to Stewart. <laughs> you know what? It's not worth it. <laughs> this guy can uh, finish his involuntary. Uh, you guys going to vamp some more before I go? Or <laughs> no, Stuart, go ahead. Your turn. Uh, so at least uh, this is the, this movie is something that I'm surprised that I haven't recommended, but I'm going to. I'm going to trust in the Flophouse Recommends wiki, which is great, uh, that shows that uh, it hasn't been recommended. I'm going to recommend a Shocktober movie called The Howling, directed by Joe Dante. Hmm. Uh, This kind of a horror classic uh, about a couple. It's uh, a reporter who uh, goes through a traumatic experience, and she and her husband, uh, as a means to kind of repair her... uh, like emotional state and get her ready to go back to work. They go to a retreat up in the woods um, and the people at, in the town and at the retreat uh, slowly uh, turn out to be more than what they, uh, what they seem. And it's definitely a very like kind of seventies kind of gritty um, little bit trashy movie. It's got some, uh, I mean, it's called the howling. So, you know, it's a fucking werewolf movie, so no spoilers there, but it's got some really great, uh, practical, uh, werewolf effects. Uh, it's got a great sense of humor. It's a little bit sexy. So, you know, Hey, date night's coming up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so check it out. The howling. Oh, and a little bit of an update for those following this podcast, the flop house. Uh, I now watched a little bit more of Hard Target 2, uh, including uh, I just watched a scene where Scott Adkins riding a motorcycle shoots a net and then a missile at Rona Mitra while she pulls out two crossbow pistols and shoots crossbow darts at him. I'm not going to tell you how that scene ends. <laughs> but are you, still, are you still enjoying the movie? Still- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally enjoying yeah, it. i got to dole it out in small small uh, portions. The otherwise, saga of Stuart watching Hard like, Target 2. It's like I'm edging myself a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to give myself completely over to the pleasure. Sure. Dan, what are you going to recommend? Uh, I wish I had a, a Shocktober movie. I should have thought about this beforehand. I should have thought about this beforehand in a couple of different ways. I should have had a movie to recommend. You want me to recommend? I don't have a horror movie. But you want me to recommend a movie while you're doing? No, that? I the the most recent re- movie that I watched that I enjoyed, um, and this is a, as so often a qualified recommendation from me, uh, is a movie called. Mr. Nice guy. <laughs> Possibly featuring Jackie Chan. Possibly featuring one Jackson Chan. Mr. Wright. This is the movie that I thought 
of last week when I was thinking of Mr. Nice Guy. Now, I don't mean to interrupt, Dan, but I kind of have to. Is Jackie Chan in this movie? Jackie Chan is not in this movie. Okay, good. At least we had a... Took you a little bit of time to get there, but at least we have a real answer. A concrete uh, idea of whether what the Jackie Chan quotient or JCQ is of this film. Now, you know me. I'm a little easier on movies than I think either of you are. So take this with a grain of salt. But if you're looking for a very, very light movie to watch, if you're, I don't know, lazing around on the couch, <laughs> need to pick me up, yeah. Mr. Right is a on good a one. Sunday afternoon. Uh, it, it stars uh, Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell, two people who are professionally good at being charming. And... Uh, that's what they do in the movie. Stuart is putting his hand over his face. I don't know what it is about what I just I'm said. I'm realizing what movie it is. And the moment you when so you thought about that movie and were like, is Jackie Chan in that movie? <laughs> I didn't think it's Jackie Chan in that movie. I just got the title like, of it wrong. Maybe he was like a side character. <laughs> I got the title of it wrong. Maybe he had a cameo? <laughs> okay, and sorry. Uh, no, they're great. I like Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick. They're they- both really fun. Do they dance and or sing? Uh, Sam Rockwell does a bunch of dancing. Because he's oh, Sam yeah. Rockwell. Because that's what to. he loves to do, and he's good at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main problem with the movie is it's one of these movies about a charming hitman. And as Elliot, Ooh. yeah, Elliot is against that. And I Not a fan. Again, yeah. if there had never been a movie about a charming hitman or a, a hitman with real problems, I'd be like, oh, that's an interesting twist. But there's been so many of them. What yeah. about... Is it Tommy Flanagan? What's the name of Hitman from DC's comics? Uh, that sounds about right, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about him? Do you like that guy? Uh, I mean, the thing about him is that it, his character is treated as someone who is morally compromised in a way that you haven't seen in like a superhero comic necessarily. Okay. So what because ab- it's a different medium. What about Taskmaster? Is he a Hitman? Taskmaster is a trainer of other mercenaries mm-hmm. and sometimes a mercenary himself. But he's he's, but he's really, also a skeleton. No, he just wears a mask. Okay. He, his original roots were he's the guy who trains thugs. And he wears, like, buccaneer boots. He doesn't anymore again, but I like the old-fashioned <laughs> one. Cape, buccaneer boots, skull mask, and he's got, like, a bow and arrow and a sword and everything. And a shield. Yeah. But, uh, just seemed... I mean, I, when Hitman the comic came out, it was... We were not quite so overwhelmed with Hitman stuff. Okay. We were, we were on our way. Uh, quite there. Let me just say though uh, that if you remove the headman stuff from the equation, which you can't, because it's a major part of the movie, <laughs> but <laughs> if it's the plot, if this was just a movie about um, a scatterbrained woman uh, falling in love with a really weird dude, uh, it would be a lot of fun uh, because those two, as I said, are charming as hell, and they do a really good job uh, being charming together. And uh, but the hitman plot does allow Tim Roth to have a role in the movie, and he's always fun to see. Oh, of United mm-hmm. Passion. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a movie that didn't get very good reviews, and I understand why. But it's it's got its own like offbeat charm that I responded to. All right, mine is also kind of kind of qualified recommendation. In fact, I'd almost like to make an assignment out of it for our more mm-hmm. intrepid listeners. There is no deadline for this, and maybe there's a prize someday, but. Take your time with it. I'd like to recommend a movie that the first hour or so of it, first half of it, roughly, maybe 45 minutes, I was like, this movie is great. Why have I never watched it before? 
And then the second half, I was like, this movie doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. And that movie is The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, starring Paul Newman, directed by John Huston, written by John Milius. And the begin- of Conan the Barbarian. Of Conan the Barbarian fame. And the first, like I'm saying, first half of the movie is great. And like both like funny but also troubling. And there's an action scene where Paul Newman, as Judge Roy Bean, he's been attacked and left for dead by some people. He goes to their like hideout shack in the middle of this, you know, village in that in the middle of nowhere and murders all of them. But he's like running through the shack and then running around it, jumping in through another window, running back. And the way it's shot is so immediate and so visceral. It's something that it's really exciting to see John Huston, who's a director from the Golden Age, you know, mm-hmm. who's not who didn't grow up with that kind of thing, doing more like handheld movement and things like that. It's really exciting. And there's Anthony Perkins has a really fun role for a couple scenes in it. And it's, I can pinpoint the moment the movie goes bad. And it's the moment when John Huston shows up as Grizzly Adams and gives a lovable drunk bear to Judge Roy Bean as as a pet. And Judge Roy Bean decides he's going to fall in love and it becomes not interesting. And then from that point on, it's jumping around into the future and stuff like, like the movie kind of doesn't know what to do after a certain point. And so my assignment to you, the listener, if you want to take it up, if you don't, that's fine too. Watch the life and times of judge Roy Bean. Stop it at the moment. Grizzly Adams shows up with his cart with a bear at it or watch the rest of the movie. But I would say stop at that point and then just say like, "Hmm, that was a good, very short movie. Or tell me, what should have happened from that point on in the film to make it a more satisfying film? Because I honestly don't know. I've been trying to figure it out, and I can't figure it out. So send in your answers to the Flophouse mm-hmm. whenever you want. And send in the clowns. And send in the clowns. Mm-hmm. Those Laffy Daffy clowns. <laughs> uh, send in those soulful and doleful schmaltz by the bowlful clowns. <laughs> That's the Simpsons version of it. Uh my and my and because it's October, why should I? I've been talking about how much I want. Wish Victor Frankenstein was directed by Stuart Gordon. Why not just go watch the next best thing, and that's Reanimator. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. Watch it again; it's great. This this movie hits all of the all of the story beats of Reanimator in a less good way. Yeah, and so Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, if you want to challenge, but Reanimator, if you just want to sit there and watch a really great, fun, gross horror movie mm-hmm. that has one of the best jump cuts in film history. It's right up there, I think, with the ape man throwing a bone in the air and it turns into a space station in 2001, which is when what's-his-name uh, is with his girlfriend teasing her and she's going, no, 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 and then it cuts to them having sex and she goes, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's such a ridiculous cut. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's right up there with the, the smash cut that ends They Live. So, yeah. and, and uh, what's the matter, baby? <laughs> Cut to credits. <laughs> and I feel like, like Reanimator has one of the best horror movie performances from, like, I guess a villain with uh, Jeffrey Combs as Herbert yeah. West. Like, it's it's a star making turn, and very much like, he's playing what James McAvoy should have been in this movie, which is a character who is kind of the villain, but also kind of the main, the protagonist driver of the plot. In mm-hmm. that it's Herbert West's story, even if he's a crazy person who goes off the rails and does bad things, you know. Yeah, he's a crazy person who has like you. There's you have to dial back the charm a little bit. I don't yeah. know. There's something because it's not like you are like, oh, I want to spend time with Herbert West. No, well, he's so complete in himself. He's a character who doesn't care if the audience likes him. Yeah, and I really like that a lot. Like he's. 
the contempt he feels towards everyone else in the movie, he also feels towards the audience. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Anyway, yeah, go see Reanimator. It's Halloween times. Spooky. Yeah. Jane Rattle. Spooky scary. Boogans. Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Um, so yeah, this is the first, this has been the first Shocktober episode. There's two others to come in this Shocktober season. What? It's one of those rare three episode Shocktobers. It only happens all once the, every, all the I don't twists know. and turns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ups and downs. <laughs> Who knows how many more scenes from Hardtoring it to. Stuart will see as Shocktober <laughs> wends its way across the river sticks yeah. into, into the afterlife. <laughs> what surprises does Shocktober hold? A couple. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the fly house, yeah. Sell I've it. been Dan McCoy. And I've been Stuart Wellington, seated, sultry. <laughs> and I'm the dearly departed Elliot Kalin, risen once more by the power of lightning. We should give ourselves spooky parody names like they do in the Halloween mm-hmm. episodes of Simpsons. Yeah, next time. Next time. All Surprises right. for next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, Dan, did you ever figure out if that was Jackie Chan in that movie? (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing that I realized about that, is that it's not like Jackie Chan makes more than one kind of movie. <laughs> it's not like, oh yeah, it was one of the it was one of the, the like musical romantic comedies that Jackie Chan did. I, that's why I got it mixed up. No, he only makes one kind of movie. Yeah, martial he, arts films with a greater or lesser degree of comedy. He doesn't make locked room thrillers. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. It was not like. A science fiction epic about a world where dinosaurs have supplanted people. Like, he doesn't make those movies. We call Planet Chan. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Chan it. Jackie Rassic Park. Mm -hmm. So, first we do the intro, and then we do the show. That's how it works. Sounds easy to me. Let's (laughs) fuck it up. (laughs) Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. The Great Questions of Your Life. The great Questions of Your Life. Should you put ketchup on a hot dog? Put ketchup on a hot dog. Toilet paper. Over or under? Toilet paper. Star Wars? Star or Star Wars Trek? Or Star Trek? Fear not, my friends. Fear not, Mark my and friends. Mark and Hal always reach the definitive answer. Simply listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Pacific on Maximum Fun. Fun. We Got This. Your better self is right around the corner. Namaste.